0: Hi, my name is Scott Evans. I'm a chaplain at UCD. I'm the Young Adults Ministry Coordinator here at Holy Trinity, and I'm a diocesan reader here in the Diocese of Dublin and Landlock. And this week, we're continuing our series called Discipleship from a Distance, where we're exploring what it means to be disciples in our current circumstances as people who can't be together. Rob talked last week about koinonia and Paul's heart for the people of God partnering together to build the kingdom of God in their city and in their world. Today, we're in Philippians chapter 2, which Derek read for us. And in it, Paul cuts to the heart of what it means for us to be disciples. Paul's emphasis isn't on personal purity or piety, it's about partnership based on the deep way in which we are connected to each other. For that to be possible, there's a crucial characteristic that we need to explore and develop within ourselves, and that's the, the virtue of humility. Sadly, I think there are often two approaches to humility. One teaches you to look humble, and the other teaches you to be humble. Depending on how tired or hungry you are, looking humble is pretty easy. Being humble, however, I think is a life's work. And this is because humility is deeply connected to identity, to who we believe ourselves to be and what we believe that we are worth. True humility begins with knowing our own worth, value, and belonging, and being willing to to bestow it on others, just as Christ has given himself for us. When God's love for us becomes the lens through which we see the world and the people in it, it transforms how we see and treat others, those who are inside and those who are outside, those who are like us and those who aren't, those who we know, and those who we don't. At the heart of humility is the knowledge that you are loved more than you can imagine, and so is your neighbor. One of my friends has a great line. He used to say, God loves everybody, but I'm his favorite. And as silly as it sounds, there's a, there's a funny kind of truth in it, because God doesn't love you with an impersonal, broad, and bland love just because he loves everybody, so he has to love you. Love you. He loves you with a specific, personal, boundless love that knows every hair on your head, every fiber of your being, every thought and every feeling that you've ever had. This deep and personal love, however, is not exclusive to you. He loves everyone with that kind of love, and he's inviting you and me to do the same. Sadly, what what sometimes looks like humility on the outside is something heartbreaking on the inside. It's sometimes a deep-seated belief that you are unworthy or unlovable, and that if you just serve enough and give enough and do enough, you'll be worthy of that love too. When that's happening, that's not humility. It's self-hatred. It's believing a lie instead of the truth, and the truth is that you are already inexplicably loved more, more than you could ever know or need. And believing that lie leads us to dangerous practices, like ignoring our needs or our boundaries in order to give too much. As much as it might seem to bear good fruit, it comes from a place of inner poverty or emptiness, and that is not the life that God has invited us to. And the other side of humility is pride, a loving and prioritizing of ourselves to the exclusion of others. And this, too, is fundamentally a misunderstanding not of how much we are loved, but of what that love means. A few years ago, I was invited to speak in another country, and it was one of the first times that that had happened, and that was very exciting, and I think anybody who knew me at the time would know that it definitely went to my head. And the night before I was to travel, I had to help a family project for something, so I was up all night, and I had an early flight the next morning, and I was I was ready to fall asleep in the airport, having not had a wink of sleep, and I got a bit of sleep on the plane, and I was picked up, and I was driven to this place where I was speaking. And I was brought in, and I was tired, and I was hungry, and I was exhausted, and I hadn't had enough caffeine, which is usually a major problem in my life. And I was brought in, and I was introduced to the different leaders, and I was brought into the kitchen, and I was introduced to the people who were working there. And I asked, is there any chance I could have a cup of coffee? And the woman who was working there, she said, yeah, sure, absolutely, the coffee maker's over there in the corner. And I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but, and I didn't say this out loud, but that doesn't necessarily make it any better. In my head, I thought to myself, make my own coffee. Do you know who I am? (laughs) And I felt God speak to me in that moment. I felt what he said to me was, yeah, she knows exactly who you are. It's you who has forgotten. And that's the problem with pride, is that it believes that untruth, that we are above others, worth more, more worthy of love, of care, of priority than the people around us. As St. Vincent de Paul said, humility is nothing but truth, and pride is nothing but lying. It's not lying about whether or not you are loved. It's lying about what that love means. Paul says to the Philippians, look to Jesus as your model, who being in very very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or exploited. As the Amplified Bible puts it, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. Humility is knowing that God's love is not something that you can earn or lose. It is the ground of our being, it is the cornerstone of the human story, it is the truth of above all others that God is love and you are loved. From that place of love, Jesus empties himself. The Greek word here is kenosis, and it means self-emptying love, a love that seeks to serve and and is free to give itself away. That's what humility looks like. And it's the foundation of our partnership together, as Rob was talking about last week, but it's also, I think, a lack of humility is at the root of most of the conflict that we experience in our world. So let's explore some questions that might help us with our own understanding. Have you ever been asked to do something and thought to yourself, this is beneath me? Where does that thought come from? When we look at this beautiful hymn, which is what it is in in Philippians 2, Paul almost bursts into song with this ancient hymn. When he bursts into that hymn, you can't imagine Jesus thinking of anything as being beneath him. There was no interruption too small, no feet too dirty for him to wash, no people who were too different for him to include. There was no one that was beneath him and no one that was beyond him. And yet, somehow, we have this perspective, where does it come from, and how do we push back against it? How do we learn to go beyond it? Or how about this? When you do something that is the right thing, how often do you do it? Not because it's the right thing, but because you want to be seen to do the right thing. This, if I'm honest, is one of my biggest struggles. There are some days I do the right things for the right reasons, and those are good days. And there are other days when I really don't want to, but I will, because it serves my ego because I'm seen to do the right thing. And that's not all bad. I'm still doing the right thing. That's not nothing. But it's not how I want to live. It's not how I want my decisions to be guided or prioritized. Or how about this? When was the last time you let somebody else have their way, even though it, it wasn't what you wanted? When was the last time you admitted that you were wrong or that someone else's idea was better than yours? Paul's longing for the Philippians is that they would be of one mind. He says to do nothing out of selfish ambition, which means we need to be the kind of community who are guided by collective vision, God's vision for the renewal and restoration of the world and its people. Later on Paul says, or rather Paul calls them to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And the roots of these words, fear and trembling, can be a little troubling. It can sound in English kind of like a fearful slave who's approaching an unpredictable master, but that's not the the original sense in the Greek. It's more like holding a precious jewel in awe and being afraid of dropping it. Our invitation to be part of God's kingdom is an invitation to be transformed, to do the inner work of how we understand ourselves and learning to love each other well. It's hard work. It means delving into our self-understanding. It means working through our baggage and our stories. But this is part of our partnership, our koinonia, as we are transformed into Christ-likeness through intimate relationship with God and with each other. Paul goes on to say that it is God at work in us to will and work to his good pleasure. God wants to, to transform our will and our work our desire, and our deeds. This is holistic transformation rather than performative outward change. It cuts to the heart of who we are and who God says that we are. And then at the end of our passage for today, he says, do all things without murmuring or arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. As I was reflecting on this passage, I was struck that the difference between murmuring and arguing is mainly one of volume. This doesn't mean that we can't disagree. We can, we do, and we will. But it means that when we disagree, our humility, our robust identity, and our passionate love for each other, this humility will make being together more important than being right. It means to be in community, not in competition. This is what God has called us to, and it's what the world is crying out for. In a world where image, reputation, and individualism are so often toxic forces, the community that pursues self-forgetfulness and self-emptying love will shine like stars. So, fellow disciples, may you know that you are loved, and may you become this love to each other. May we become it to each other. And may our pursuit of humility and our love and service of each other make us shine like stars that guide people home to the God of love who is at work within us and through us, bringing about his vision for how this world should be. Amen.